You're invited to our second annual Winter Women's Retreat, a slumber party. Did you know that Black women are often the gatekeepers and teachers of culture, memory, and legacy, particularly of the Black family? While on the journey to preparing for a love and life partner, and even more so if you're already partnered or married, I encourage Black women to create a community and cultivate sisterhood with other Black women first. We need each other. Retreat tickets are now available for the first 10 guests at matchmarymate.com. Join us in Asheville, North Carolina for a sacred and spiritual retreat with other Black women who know how to act. Hope to see you in the mountains. Listening to the Match Mary Mate Show, where Black women learn how to get their love lives together. Here I guide you on your dating and relationship journey, empower you with feminine presence, power, and charm, teach you how to navigate and negotiate your needs and desires with men. I'm your host, your girl, Joyce Robinson Myers, and welcome to season two, love bugs. This season is titled Know Thyself. Our last season was our I Am season, and it was an introduction to you of me and my work. It featured seven I Am episodes, followed by one bonus. And you'll see this podcast pattern of mine (laughs) where I view the number seven to represent wholeness, as in the end of that matter. And I view the number eight As a new beginning, it lets you know that more is in store. Speaking of the number eight, I have a special someone born in the eighth month of the year who I want to give a shout out to. So happy birthday, happy creation day, happy sun trip day to my brilliant and sexy husband, Jeremiah. Happy birthday, baby. Today's show is titled, your worth. And it's a conversational flow with me and one of my dearest friends, Mary, who I affectionately call May. In previous episodes, I've only dared to do a conversational flow show with my husband. So together, we're going to see how well it fits outside of me and him. Now, there's a surprise for you before I bring May on later in the show, so stay tuned. First, let's begin with the power of affirmation. We start every episode with an affirmation as a way to center self, listen to the body, and honor our spirit. Ask yourself, how are you today? What moods, feelings, or emotions come up? Use that energy to speak life, wholeness, and healing over yourself using the power of your own voice. Speak it into existence with an I or I feel statement. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel affirmed. Welcome to season two again. As I was saying in the intro, I like my numerology and I am highly intentional, most times at least, about how I number 
So you can expect that seven, eight pattern with me. I'm an energy type girl. I enjoy exploring and connecting to the energy centers in my body. I call them energy centers, but you may have heard of them as chakras. And they're not quite the same, but there's some overlap and I figured I'd meet you where you are. Our energy centers start at our root, our base, and they extend to our crowns and our ultimajors. Our energy centers start at our root, our base, and they extend to our crowns and our ultimajors. The first is our root energy center. And that's the one we tapped into last season. It is located near the base of the spine and is associated with your adrenal glands. The root provides grounding and forms our foundation. It gives us confidence, power, presence, and practicality. And this is why we recite I am affirmations to activate the energy center, to access the very confidence and power that comes with it. So we say things like, I am beautiful, I am aware, I am love. Those evoke confidence and even power. In season two, we're going to move beyond our root and into our sacral. Our root is connected to our sacral, but they are two different centers. Our sacral is located above the pubic bone and below the navel. It controls how we process and express our emotions. And ladies, particularly my clients at least, you know how important it is for you to have consciousness and command here. If you've taken my Moods and Feels Masterclass or even completed the Match Mary Made Course Experience, you know all about the feelings wheel, feel and chill, and how we tap into our sacral for emotional processing. Tending to our sacral energy center gives us emotional intelligence and maturity. Sex and emotions are connected and they intersect at this point in the body. They go together in this human experience we're all having. So the sacral also deals with sexuality, sexual love, attraction, and relationships. As such, we care for this energy center with I feel affirmations. Did you know where I was going with that? Huh? (laughs) Yes, energy centers and other somatics have a relationship with our desires and our romantic relationships. So we're going to spend some time there this season. For each episode in this season, our affirmations will focus on I feel statements. As we explore more about who we are in season two with the know thyself theme, we're opening with know thyself, your worth, as we shift from being in season one to feeling in season two. We're going to feel our way through topics around your father and his daughter, that's you, your mother and her daughter, that's you too, your femininity, your self-awareness and your no, especially the power in it. So I invited into the studio today, not to interview her because she's not a client nor an expert in this relationship space, but just to have a real black girl chat before you as we navigate some human issues like self-worth 
that can help heal self-identity, our sister circles, and finally relationships and marriages as we enter them with men. Earlier this year, I joined a writing group, and each month we meet to share our latest produced piece from a writing assignment from the month before. I was almost a week into healing from my egg retrieval procedure, so IVF was still very present on my mind. The assignment called for us to write a piece that connected identity and society, and I chose to write what I'm calling a lyrical love letter. It's my lyrical love letter to humanity that's rooted in my personal experience to shape how you see yourself, how you identify as a human being. This lyrical love letter of mine speaks about self-worth, so I knew I'd share with my friend May. Anytime I create work that discusses self-worth, she's an instant beta reader for me. And that's for two reasons. One, she needs all the self-worth affirmation she can get, and I am sure to pour it into her anytime I can. And then the second is because her response to the feelings and moods that I evoke always tells me how good a certain piece is. So I decided to share my lyrical love letter in my writing group, and I received the virtual equivalent of a standing ovation. Almost everyone wanted to give me feedback, and my last writing peer said, I only have three recommendations for you, Joyce. Publish it, record it, perform it. I was so floored that I called May immediately. Yes, right in the middle of writing group. (laughs) No one had heard it yet, which was unusual for me. I've usually recited my work to my mother, my husband, May, and maybe even a few others before I shared in group or even in public. But this day was unusually different. I read my letter to May and her reaction gave what it was supposed to give. Maybe I didn't just have a piece but a masterpiece. As we discussed self-worth, I found myself explaining to her the difference between value and worth, as I often have to do with Black women. And she had her own epiphany about how she viewed herself through the lens of someone else. Then the idea hit us. This is how I would introduce her to my show. We've known for years that one of us would produce a podcast, but probably me. And we've imagined dozens of many stories that we could share together. But we always said that when it came to the first one, we would just know and that that would be our cue. Well, that first Saturday morning in July was our sign. And if you didn't know this about me, I inherited my father's gift of poetry and spoken word, but I seldom use this part of my gift in public spaces. But... I'm relaxing that practice, even if just for today. I'm going to recite my lyrical love letter to you, and then May and I will be back to have a conversation with you on self-worth and self-value. If you listened to my fertility episode earlier this month, this letter is an extension of that. So I want to give you a trigger warning as I discuss the natural drop-off of fertilized eggs and how that number wanes over time. Without further ado, here's A Lyrical Love Letter to Humanity by me, Joyce Robinson. 
Can you believe we start as a teeny tiny cell? When I ponder the question at my big age, it feels like such a reduction. Me? Amazing me? As a teeny tiny cell? No, it feels too small, too unimportant to fathom. I have parents and purpose and people. I own brains and beauty and burdens. I carry secrets and scares and sins. I give life and love and lies. That matters. Can I tell you a secret? The magic lies in seeing ourselves from the beginning and not from the now to the beginning. We tend to start our today and play the tape back. Too easy to play small there. In the stages of life, our cells multiply and mature and our bodies grow. Intellectually, you know this, but I wonder if you know it scientifically, emotionally. I didn't know that science led to emotion in such an unfamiliar yet satisfying way. You probably don't know this story because most arrive in this time-space reality through what my mama calls good old sucking and bucking. Mama and daddy had a little sexy time, spurned that egg and started the process of your beingness. Oh my God, we started in a man. Scary stuff. But we were finished inside a woman. Way to go, universal balance. Your parents didn't likely see this messy sausage making between their sex and the knowledge of your conception, though we know it happened. You were there. But miss this good stuff too, the part that makes you a big deal. I'm no scientist. What qualifies me to tell a science story? I birthed two live babies from scratch and completed four rounds of IVF. I have a scientific and emotional relationship with every stage, from bacon to harvest to fertilization to embryo to infant. I hold the blessings and burdens that come with reproduction and new arrivals. It's through these processes that I know you are worthy because you exist. You are worthy because you exist. You matter. I matter. You start small but grow big because you're a big deal. In IVF, doctors harvest whatever eggs they can retrieve. They introduce sperm to egg, and the party for your existence begins. Once you wake from surgery, the embryologist informs you of your viable egg count. It could be seven or four or two. Ten is the magic number here. All you want to hear is there are at least ten eggs. My final round. I had 11. If you're listening, congrats on being a living egg. You're here, so you matter. All the gods work to keep you alive, and the sciences work to keep you multiplying, because survival is not light work, and being the fittest is no cakewalk. The math is simple. Multiply or die. Mama Nature in her shadow side. 
once sperm is introduced, some fertile babies naturally degenerate. Yes, sperm can be a killer too. Mama Nature's showing out in her shadow side again. I had a perfectly good egg until a man's seed touched it? What the hell? Seven fertile babies. The cell race continues. 16 cells to mature enough for implantation or freezing. Daily a nurse calls with a new count. Who degenerated? Who multiplied? Seven turns to five. If you're listening, congrats on being a multiplying cell. You're here, so you matter. My five fertile babies must survive testing because assuredly at least one has some abnormality or twisted mix of genes that make them unfit, according to the lab. Weeks later, a new number is here. Three, viable, healthy, mature embryos. Five turns to three. If you're listening, congrats on making the survival cut. You were in the best race toward human existence where teeny tiny sperm and ovum want to be and so many more never arrived. You won the most brutal race of life, the right to exist. Ten becomes seven, becomes five, becomes three. Only one is chosen for womb work. This process is similar in old-fashioned baby making, but we're absent-minded. We learn later through miscarriages, pregnancy tests, births, and more. But I tell you this story for you to capture the math, friend. You just wouldn't be here if you weren't supposed to be here. If you're listening, congrats on your purpose to arrive and exist. You're here, so you matter. From 10 to 7 to 5 to 3 to you and to me. Worthiness is a birthright. And the proof is already in the pudding without you having to do anything but arrive here. I know you're listening to this, so receive that you're worthy because you exist. By trade, I'm an educator, a relationship researcher. I help Black women to prepare for relationships and to make sense of it. That's the core of what I do. But sometimes, before we even undergo the relationship readiness process, There is some self-work to do as a way to heal, process, and discover, maybe even rediscover self. Usually in working with women, concepts around self-worth, self-esteem, and self-image find their way in our work together. Now, I'm no clinician, so I don't diagnose or treat, and neither do I want to. But as an academic, I can certainly empower women with ways to reframe and reposition through education, application, and support. But as a person with a degree in psychology and in the process of earning another in the field of psychology, one of my pet peeves is when psychological terms or ideas relocate into pop psychology. So when I see them, I do my best to teach my clients and the women that I work with 
differently than the pop psychology that is usually surfacing and buzzing so that they can have a better definition to use. Now, I'm sure you've all seen this meme that used to trend once upon a time. And it says, I'm not negotiating my value with anyone. I'm worth it, been worth it, will forever be worth it. This is a classic case of having value and worth confused. In any relationship, your value is negotiated. Not the fact that it exists, but how it's delivered, what it will impact, when it is expected for you or from you, and more are usually negotiated. You are worthy because you exist, and you don't need to explain, justify, defend, or negotiate that. The proof is already in the pudding. You're here. You can do whatever you want to do with your existence as long as you're not hurting others. No one has the license or permission to take that away from you. However, if you want to partner with others, you will quickly learn the difference between your right to exist, your worthiness, and your ability to contribute or influence and add impact, your value. For example, if I have been offered a job, I now have room to negotiate. I am only being offered the job because the company finds value in my work, my status, my reputation, or something of the kind. Likewise, if you have an offer, if you have a proposal, you have room to negotiate. Wink, wink. The job wants me to report to work Monday through Friday and be available for some on-call hours because there is a contract on the table that they need to secure to justify my salary, not my hire. The value for me is that I have my asking salary. The value for my company is that I'm available outside of office hours to woo clients. And this is exactly what will be negotiated. I may counter with, I will only be on call and work on Fridays until we secure the contract. Once secured, I'll report Monday through Thursday and no on-call hours. The company agrees. Both of us have negotiated our value in order to meet our own needs. Your worth as a human does not have anything to do with the job offer. You're worthy whether you receive a job offer or not, or whether you accept it or not. So I want to make sure that we're on the same page before May and I unpack worth and value in our girlfriend chat. So let's take a quick break, love bugs. Want to give you some time to process both that letter and my reframe. Then I'll be back with May and we'll dive in. See you in a bit. Are you looking to get your love life together? You're tired of not having the tools or community you need to navigate these dating and relationship streets. Well, honey, let's take some accountability, do our work and be in the place to reap all the benefits. I invite you to become a Love Lady member and officially join the Match Mary Mate community. You can choose your specific dating and relationship package to work with me. You'll have access to digital resources, video trainings, coaching content, course materials, and even the opportunity to live stream with me with certain packages. If this sounds like something you want, be sure to join today because I'd love to have you. Visit coachjoyce.com to get started. I want to see your face in the place. 
You're invited to our second annual Winter Women's Retreat, a slumber party. Did you know that Black women are often the gatekeepers and teachers of culture, memory, and legacy, particularly of the Black family? While on the journey to preparing for a love and life partner, and even more so if you're already partnered or married, I encourage Black women to create a community and cultivate sisterhood with other Black women first. We need each other. Retreat tickets are now available for the first 10 guests at matchmarymate.com. Join us in Asheville, North Carolina for a sacred and spiritual retreat with other Black women who know how to act. Hope to see you in the mountains. Welcome back, lovebugs. Hi, May. Hi, Jay. <laughs> Let's chat. Because we've only imagined this a million and one times, and I'm so happy to have you here. Anytime I write work that is associated with self-worth, self-image, self-value, you're always one of my first readers because I just like to pour into you in that way. But also, you know how I live for your reaction. So I'm like, <laughs> let me let me read this to her. And if it gives me the emotional reaction that I want, I know I have a good piece. So yeah, I wanted to have you on and let's just have a conversation about self-worth, self-value, how sometimes we often confuse that. I spoke earlier about a meme that I think people often misconstrue. Let's have the conversation. How have you identified with self-worth, self-value? I know you have some identity. There's adoption. There's race. Girl, you got a whole lot going on. Let's talk. I have so much going on. <laughs> and I think that when we continue to misconstrue them, that when you do have issues or you struggle with your identity and you're convinced that it is linked to your value and your worth, that these are synonymous, these, you can interchange them. And, and it wasn't until I really sat down with it that that's not true. Right. That, that's not true. And so when you realize that, you can start separating and, oh, okay, I can start accepting that I do have inherent worth because I exist. Because you exist. So that feeling of I'm unworthy and I have no value is is not true. And it also helped me understand that why did I feel sometimes that I was valuable in certain situations or, you know, like I do I do have knowledge or or I give to, you know, the conversation or whatever the case may be. I am contributing in a positive way. Oh, that's value. Right. I'm providing value and that has nothing to do with my inherent worth. Right. And to realize that was very, very powerful in my healing because I did for a very long time contribute both of them. Right. That I felt that I didn't have an identity. I didn't know what that was. I didn't have, if I didn't have inherent worth, I therefore had no value. Mm -hmm. So how do you see when you flip it around? I have inherent worth. I have a right to exist because I'm here. And by extension, by mere fact of existing, that means I'm worthy. I, if I wasn't supposed to be here, I wouldn't be here, right? Yes. All of my yes. fertile baby drop off that yes. we see in IVF, but we don't see in the regular old, you know, 
can't say my mom said. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that flip for you? Now if you say, I know I have inherent worth, so how does the end of the sentence in terms of value change? I have inherent worth and therefore I can recognize my value in certain situations. Ooh, and with certain people. And with certain people. And understand that as my value can change, my worth does not change. Oh, girl. So people can be valuable, more or less valuable to me, depending on what they are bringing to the table for me at the time. So if I need somebody's information, so if I am trying to figure out how to get a job at, let's just say, a big corporate firm. Right. If I know someone that works at that big corporate firm, they automatically become have a very lot of valuable to me. <laughs> they are very extremely valuable to me. It has nothing to do with their worth and their existence in life. Right. But they are very valuable to me. And only for a certain amount of time. Only for a certain amount of time. If I no longer want that position or if I get that position, or if they don't offer you or the they position. they don't offer the position. Their value to me lessens. Yeah, it wanes. And that doesn't change your worth or theirs. Or theirs. Right. It has nothing to do. And for me personally, because I take things or I would take things so personally and attach them to my worth. Right. So if somebody found less value in me, I therefore had less worth. And you felt I unworthy felt or unworthy. less worthy. I would love for you to talk that out when it comes to your mom as much as you're comfortable because when we first had the conversation, when I called you right in the middle of writing group, because I was so flooded with how they responded to my piece and I just knew it would make an impact on you. One of the things that you said was um, when it comes to your birth mom, you, you flipped it and like, oh, I have to not just me seeing how people can be valuable to me, like how you just did with the the contact at the big corporation, but also kind of reckoning and reconciling when someone else doesn't see you as valuable as you would want them to see you. And you, you, you said something, I don't know if you remember it perfectly, but you said something about your birth mom, like she doesn't value me as much as I want her to value me. And I've had to like come to grips with that, but even that does not have any indication on your worth. And it and it used to. And so being a I I have just coined in my own <laughs> piece, being a daughter of adoption, uh, a lot of adoptees have this have this feeling of un- unworthiness and that we do not have value if the person that we deem should value us the most, which is our mother. Right. If that person does not value us enough to keep us, therefore we have no value. And simply because that person we feel should value us that way does not make us not worthy. And mm. and I can't control the way other people see my value or interpret my value. Right. And so to separate the two that I 
exist and I am worthy to exist. She brought me into this world and therefore I am worthy to be here. Exactly. Does not change how she interprets my value. Mm-hmm. And I cannot change how I want her to see my value. Mm. But it doesn't make me less valuable. It just changes my value in that particular relationship, transaction, interaction, however you want to see that. And it does, therefore, just like another relationship, it doesn't make my value less to anybody else. Right. And I love when you say that because the moment you said that, I'm like, yes, because I find you very valuable. But you can point to people who you have confidence in that they see you as highly valuable and also worthy um, for whatever reason. It's just not your mom. Mm -hmm. But because you have these people who you know deem you valuable, it helps you to... It helps you to go, well, I can't not have any value. People value me. It's just that my mom doesn't. Or at least not the way I want her to. Yes, or at least not the way that I wanted to or perceived her as that. And, And I also flip that, right? That my son, and my son is worthy simply because he exists. Right. So there is nothing that he can do or not do that makes him any less worthy, but his value, his value in different situations changes and it changes as he, as he ages. Right. Um, and different things that he does. And, but there's also nothing that he can do if, if he's perceiving that he should be this valuable Mm. that I would then agree with him. Well, okay, you you might think that you're, you know, so valuable in this particular area when you're not. But it doesn't mean that you're not valuable. Right. It, it's so it's so fluid. And I think when we look at it in a very rigid way, like and compare my worth and my value. I am either worthless and have no value, or my value is attached to my worth and it's not. Right. We have to separate them and allow our value to be fluid. Yeah, because we're not things. I think we take the we process it like we do property or like we do, you know, tangible things. Well, worth and value might be attached if we're talking about, you know, my sapphire ring or my home. But people are not property. No. We tend to view people like commodities, like items sometimes, and we use language to speak about people in the same ways that we would speak about things. And I'm flabbergasted sometimes that people would speak like that. I don't mean the same language in terms of we use worth and the the word worth and the word value with both humans and things. I mean the way we use it. The way we use it. So I love that you... I love that you made the distinction with probably what the most important person that we perceive as human beings in our worlds, our mothers. That's so funny to me because why wasn't that conversation had on the dad side? (laughs) (laughs) Like they're both your parents and they probably had maybe not the same level of activity, but they probably had some hand in 
why you were given up or yes. given to another couple. But somehow we penalize mom more. We we do. Um and I don't have an answer to I know that. me neither. It's, it's just um in you you spark something that is often brought up in the adoption community with value as well. So when you talked about things, hmm. that is a very common thing in our community that we feel regulated to a transactional thing that oh, wow. is bought. Wow. And so our therefore value oh my is gosh. a actual monetary oh transaction. I walked right into that one, didn't I? Yes, you did. I didn't mean to. <laughs> and so in my instance, I was of less monetary value than my other adopted brothers. Now I have a question for you. Yes. Because there is a line in in the New Testament specifically that grinds my gears. And I know um, you used to have a relationship with with Christian identity, I'll just say that. That's and there's nice a line that's <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I could be a PC when I need to be. Um, there's a line in the New Testament that says, "You were bought with a price." And so I know now we're getting over into race, which is a part of still worth and value. I think if you are raised in America, worth and value as it relates to your race, racialized body, racialized identity. I think there's a connection no matter what, but maybe it heightens when adoption also plays a yes. part in that. So I only can talk on the black hand side, girl. So we can we can meet there. I'm going to give, give you the mic when it comes to the adoption stuff. But that line irks me. I remember the first time hearing it, I was a teenager and I'm like, this sounds like something that slave owners modified. <laughs> it sounds like that. It's very hard as a black person to hear that line and be like, oh, that's what I needed to hear. Let me give my soul over. That sounds like what? I was what? It sounds too akin to the transactions that happened in slavery where my body literally had a price and then it's like you were bought with the price therefore like there's this command to do I don't want to quote the second part of it but there's this command to do so when you said transaction and price it just brought that up for me because I know how I feel about bodies and people being transactionalized is that yes. a word <laughs> it is now it is now <laughs> um I know how I feel about that as a black person, just with the the history of slavery. But I didn't think about that as, okay, girl, you have black and you whole adopted. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, how does that sit with you? Like that is. Have you ever seen that scripture? Have you ever read? You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, there were several conflicts, shall we call them, <laughs> that. I have as an adopted person with the Christian thought 
Um, wow. That is a podcast for another day. Okay, we'll have you back. <laughs> but that particular, yes, from both sides of that I have ancestors that were whose bodies were purchased right by another set of my ancestors so we have that that there is you know in in the blackness of it all like yeah why are we talking about bodies and commodities and being purchased at a price and and that's supposed to be inspiring that's supposed to right. that's supposed to inspire that I have therefore more value because I was purchased at a price. So then what happens and how do you rectify that when people, people, because that's, that's what I am. I am a person right. and, and babies are, are people, are people when people are being purchased at different prices. Both on the adoption market and in the slavery market. Exactly. In the adoption market and the slavery market, you are valuing bodies differently. And it and it leads back that even though monetarily, wow. because what can they give you? If I am a, a parent that is looking for a child that would assimilate more easily into my family, so therefore... They have the same skin tone as me. I am willing to pay a higher price because that's of more or the other way around value. Because black bodies, right? Or it's like, oh well, I just don't want to spend that much, so let's get these black boys adopted. <laughs> Which is very true so and is heard of very often. It is easily Googleable to <laughs> if you look up adoption agencies. They have what they, they, they all have different names, but you yes. can see an adoption assistance program, a, and it's all basically just, we discount the black and brown babies. Wow. And you were last. And I was last. Oh my gosh. I'm having whole epiphanies here. Are you okay? Do you want a hug? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably why I, I got hugs for days, girl. I want hugs all of the time. <laughs> True. But, <laughs> but that was part of of what I really needed to sit with and what understanding that worth and value were different. Yeah, and I think, yes, worth and value are different. I also think when it comes to value, it helps checks and balances, what I like to say. Sometimes I think the creator just put things in place and the ordering and the being of things existing and playing out its natural life. It feels like there's some like encoded checks and balances just to make sure People don't get too wonky, I guess, in their own beingness, where value, we need to make sure we're not handling value only in a transactional way, because then it dehumanizes people and it dehumanizes the experience that humans have with one another. Yes. So even though adoption markets, slave markets, etc., they were literally assigning value and it was completely transactional, which the, which is dehumanizing. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're talking about the, the friend who could get you, you know, the interview with the big corporation in your example, you're not going to handle that 
wholly transactionally. Yeah. You know, let me take you to dinner while you it's, give me some tips. Let me, right, you have a human experience with it's someone. relational. Right, even though value is still is baked there. in. So that's one half of the value experience. Um, and then the other is, but you do have to have value. You do have to have something meaningful, have something that contributes, have something yes. worthwhile so it does, so that you're not just lazy. Yes. Right? So that you're just not selfish. So that you learn reciprocity and that in this human experience, there is give and take. Yeah. When you were talking about your son, I immediately went to mine. And I tell my sons all the time, listen, you're worthy. You exist. I love you because you exist. And so there's nothing you can do that would separate you and me, the love that I have for you, because the love that I have for you is wholly bo born in the fact that you exist. So that's that. I feel like they feel secure in the love that I have for them and in the worth that I have secured for them in their minds. But don't get it twisted, boy. You got to do chores. You got to go to school. You got to write papers. You have you to have bring to, value yes. to the family and the relationship. Yes. You can't just take. You can't just take. You you can just exist. Yes. But you can't just take. And I remember earlier this year, my son had just turned 14. And for those listening, because May knows this already, but I view childhood in three cycles of seven. So 14 is the beginning of the last cycle of childhood and so much activity has to take place between 14 and 21 and so we were at we were at a point he was recently 14 and I'm like all right it's time for him to start learning these lessons on his own without me saving him without me adding cushion and padding or at least the kind that he you need to feel this mm -hmm. so um I said to him his birthday was up and he had all these things he wanted to do for his birthday. The problem was, some time before his birthday, I communicated, if these things are not in place, you won't be able to ask for anything for the rest of the semester. And I don't know how well he applied that your birthday falls within the middle of the semester. <laughs> but nonetheless, my words stood. So when it came, when his birthday came around, I sat him down and I explained to him the difference between being acknowledged and being celebrated. And I said, listen, we are gonna acknowledge your birthday because you exist and you are worthy because you exist and mommy loves you because you exist. But you have not done what you're suppo supposed to have done for all of the sacrifices and the cost and the money and the energy and the effort, all of that, to go out in the way you wanna celebrate. Cause you know, these Gen Z babies, they think money. Who, who's going to pay for that? Like, y'all have the most expensive requests. I had requests, but they were reasonable when I was a teenager. <laughs> I was like, Mom, can you just give me a little $50 flip phone? <laughs> you know, like, that was it. $35 a month with my free nights and weekends. So I had to explain that to him, and he completely understood. He was like, I appreciate being acknowledged. I appreciate that it doesn't feel like punishment. Mm -hmm. It just feels like I didn't meet the bar. And so because of this, all of the excess, all of the abundance isn't happening. And so yeah, I feel like value is the way that 
checks and balances. You can't be transactional with people or you de- you dehumanize yeah. the experience. But you can't be lazy and you can't take. I like how you said that. You can't take. And, and also understanding that that what you need to do to bring value to things that and and accepting that Mm. you are less valuable in certain situations and that has nothing to do with your worth oh that's good so we are for example in the experience that we're sharing with writing right you would be far less valuable in my room than i am Right. Simply because you don't have the knowledge or skill base. It has nothing to do with your value to me or your value to anyone else. But in that room, in that space, right. you have less value yeah. to add to the conversation, to add to the growth of every... In, Girl, because I don't know. It, because you don't know and vice versa. If I were to go into your room... I would have less value. But the value isn't you. But the value, the value is, is not the information. Me, is the information. Right. And being willing to accept these things and accept that, oh, if I want to produce more value in this. Place, get your skills up. You get your skills get up. Get your you game your up. Work. Right. You do your you work. You do your work. What are you what are you doing with your existence? Like, yes, you have the right to be here and you have the right to exist. But yeah, the question does come in, well, what are you doing with it? And you're right. Even with, even when we talk about our children, like you are less valuable to my children, yes, right, than I am. Yes. I am less valuable to your son than you are, and, and rightfully it, so. I'm not his mom. And it doesn't have any bearing on your worth at all as an individual existing in taken this up right world. Right, right. And to get to that point for me was incredibly healing. Yeah. Because it it allows you to face the the work and growth mm-hmm. that you need if you want to experience more value to to a yeah. situation, but also understand that taking it away that you can't change in the relational aspect of it, right? Right. I can't change some how somebody views me. Right. At least not fully. At least not, you, I can try, and and but at the end of the day, I don't control anyone. And so, if I know that I am doing my work, and right. and my girl, and I'm not taking, and they still don't see the value that you that, do that have that and I bring, do have, then guess what? It's just not valuable to them. To but them, you still possess yes, the but value. But I still possess it. Right. So, I don't need. I don't need that. Right. That that does not deem, and we shouldn't mm-hmm. try to. If you want to up your skill, increase your game, all of that, cool, cool, cool. But we shouldn't try to engineer, manipulate, or maneuver who we are so that someone can quote unquote see it, find more value right. in us. Right. It's the internal. It's about the growth. Is about you, your internal. I want to produce more. I want to give more in this space because I don't want to take. I want to be able to give. Right. Um, but not manipulate. Right. To see, because that's never going to. And even selfless acts, right? Like people, people will say, I'm doing this for you and I don't want anything, but there's still value attached to it because it fulfills them in a way. 
Yes. Right? So they're not doing it to specifically get anything from you, but they are doing it because they want to and that's fulfilling. Yes. Or, or because it makes them feel a certain way and that's satisfying. There's still a little value attached to that. But yes. even selfless acts. So you spoke about healing or your healing journey or when you realized that it was so healing. Before we get out of here, can you share with our audience what what were some of the things that you did on that healing journey? Anything you read? Anyone you had in your circle? Any quote or something you remember someone saying that has stuck with you? Give us the things, girl. There, There's quite a few things in my toolbox and I believe that for everyone that's that's where healing comes from there's no one thing at least i don't believe there is no one thing that is gonna be yep this is it have i gone to therapy yep did that do it alone no and i needed to build my toolbox and so i had therapy journaling is very healing for me um and speaking out loud so being able to process through word with somebody that is understanding and allowing for space and so what I mean by that is offering that ear without trying to fix me I'm not a project (laughs) and and so that is very important and the next piece of being very aware of who is in your circle and who is around you so some people can absolutely love you and want to be there to support you but not know how to do that right and so kind of doing a self inventory check and how do I feel when I talk to this person? Mm -hmm. If I am sharing this very deep or hard to process thing, how are they making me feel? And it's okay that they don't make you feel good or supported a hundred percent. And that doesn't mean they don't need to be in your circle. It just means they don't need to be in your healing circle. (laughs) The innermost. (laughs) And so understanding that and having that get really, really tight. Then um, somatic work has been incredible. I love somatic work. (laughs) Somatic work has been incredible and incorporating all of that. So being able to feel safe in my body Mm -hmm. and allow the emotions and the energy to move through my body Mm -hmm. and not hold on to these things. Let it go. Let it, and, and not, and it before, before the somatic work, I didn't know what that meant. Right. I didn't know, like. Of course I let it go. And you might not mentally think about it, but we're not thinking about what has gone on in our body. And Oh, like the energy trapped? The, and yeah. The energy trapped. Yeah. And one of one of the best books that I I absolutely recommend, and it is not a how-to okay. book. It's, it's more of like a textbook, but it's incredibly informational, is The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. And it's it's incredibly helpful with, um, knowing or explaining how trauma and energy gets stuck in your body mm-hmm. and, and helpful ways to move that. Another book that was extremely helpful was the um, Mother Hunger. Oh, yeah. I recommend that to all my clients who say they have a mother wound or it becomes a parent in our work together. Yes. It was incredibly, incredibly. Wait, did I recommend that book to you? I think you probably did. <laughs> I was like, you should read this book. <laughs> you should probably. I remember probably now. Did. Yes, I did. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. And so, and then for me with somatics and moving my body, yoga has been. I was about to ask, now. do you do yoga? Yes, I am a yoga instructor. 
yoga instructor. Um, I loved my grandmother's hands. I believe that's the name of it. Yes, my grandmother's hands. It it helps you more with a racialized body, but it was phenomenal with helping me process what it means to be black and where things could be stored or trapped in different energy centers in my body by way of just having a black body in an American experience. That is on my list to read because as I mentioned the um how the body keeps the score is more yeah. of a textbook it's not a like helpful in how to move this right, it's right. it's more of giving you awareness of that that this, this exists. is happening yeah this yeah. is how this is exists um my it's my grandmother's hands right yeah that is much more of a how to and and more helpful in oh it is so practical the, the like the man gives do this do this do that and so that is on my next list and so continuing and that's that's when I say growth too healing is so I am healed and healing always at the same time at the same time and so to continue in your toolbox to always look for the things that work for you. My favorite thing, so it's not yoga alone, but it's particularly, and it's cultural. It's always some black instructor and it's black culture as a part of it or some African thought. But my favorite lately, um, yoga with meditative sound baths. Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. Do you like sound baths? I do. I have singing bowls in my house. Yeah, of course you do. Um, <laughs> I love it. It really helps just let go of things that you might not have even known was there. The sound vi physically vibrates through your body to move the energy along the pathways and out. And it's because I identify, incredible. yes, because I identify as worthiness as a birthright, worthiness because I exist, a lot of the... You know, you're an instructor. I forgot about that until you said it. But now I'm, I got the warm fuzzies because we can relate. Um, you know, they have this language, the, the yoga instructor, you know, whatever the directions are. I don't even want to mimic it and make myself sound like a fool. But those, those words, how they go from do this to your body, then transition and doing this and then doing that, whatever, the whole sequencing it really brings your consciousness into your own being, into your own self. And for me, I always walk out of there going, I feel more worthy coming up out of here than I did in because they speak so much about just the fact that you're here, the fact that you exist, yes. the fact that you have the ability to imagine or the mentalism, whatever. So I just wanted to tie that in and bring it full circle with the birthright the worthiness birthright so thank you for sharing that and i want to say that as you focus so anybody that is having trouble and issues with feeling that worth and like oh you said it happened when you you know you were healing the more you move that negative energy out whether you are completely consciously aware of it or not mm -hmm. the easier it is to allow the positive to come back in and fill. 
Okay, yoga instructor, get us together. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you sound so in your instructor bag. <laughs> yes, I love what you just did there. That was beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's on Black women being in their self-worth bag. And when we flow, we grow. Hey, that's my catchphrase. We grow as we go. We end every episode with thought or heart-provoking questions for your journal. Journaling is simply prayers on paper, and the most high tends to those two. Dear listener, how do you define value and worth? How do you identify your own self-worth? Who helps or hurts your self-image and self-worth? Do you know how worthy you are just because you exist? It's okay to write about the blessings and the burdens. Pour it out into your journal today. Release yourself, free yourself, and most of all, be yourself. P.S. No woman is better at being you than you. I want to leave you with the words of Michelle Robinson Obama today. She says, am I good enough? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining me today and tuning into another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show. If you have a question, you can reply to the show's prompt right inside your podcast app, or you can send us an email at podcast at matchmarymate.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, comment, or rate. Your support would just melt my Southern girl heart. If you're interested in me speaking at your next women's or couples event or performing my lyrical love letter live, you can reach me at hello at matchmarymate.com. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go, and I'll be with you in the next episode. Cheers. This was a virtual interview with Joyce recorded from two places within the world with either a professional in the field a fellow colleague or a client willing to share her story to inform you on relationship education topics, including dating, partnerships, and marriage and family. If you're interested in being a Match Mary Mate guest, please email the producing team at podcast at matchmarymate.com. Are you looking to get your love life together? You're tired of not having the tools or community you need to navigate these dating and relationship streets. Well, honey, let's take some accountability, do our work and be in the place to reap all the benefits. I invite you to become a Love Lady member and officially join the Match Mary Mate community. You can choose your specific dating and relationship package to work with me. You'll have access to digital resources, video trainings, coaching content, course materials, and even the opportunity to live stream with me with certain packages. If this sounds like something you want, be sure to join today because I'd love to have you. Visit coachjoyce.com to get started. I want to see your face in the place.